Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So if you listen to yesterday's show, I had to do something I don't really enjoy doing very much. I had to admit I may have been wrong on something, or my initial instinct may not have been as well thought out as I would typically hope that it it would be someone who sort of speaks off the cuff and just sort of lets it rip shoots from the hip you know you sort of hope that when you go back and reconsider the things that you said you said it exactly the way that it needed to be said there was at least one instance this week where that was not the case for me i'm sure many of you would say there are lots of other instances about that too uh but at least one instance in which that was not the case for me because when i was on a sports radio station in atlanta called 92.9 the game this week they asked me hey is it championship or bust for Georgia? In other words, since Georgia's won the last two national championships, is the only way you can define success this year in 2023 as a go for three in 23 season, is the only way you can define success another national championship? Is it championship means success or less than a championship means a bust and an unsuccessful season? And I first sort of made the case that, hey, you know what, just being in contention, being in the playoff, you know, college football is a tough sport things can happen to play off and I sort of made the case for Georgia there on that but given the chance to reconsider that what I had said uh yesterday if you heard the show was is that actually when you look at the gap that Georgia currently has point itself and any other reasonable contender to be at the top of college football Georgia has such a significant edge seemingly on all those programs right now that the last thing you would want to do if you could help it the last thing you would want to do is give any of that back here for this upcoming season because if Georgia could find a way to win again if they could truly find a way to go for three and 23 then what you're talking about is something that wouldn't quite be you know a permanent advantage they'd enjoy over the rest of college football but it would be the kind of gap that might take a little bit of roots here and might give georgia a chance to go on a run of potentially unprecedented success i mean that i mean as unreasonable as that sounds at first blush and as unlikely as it is even for those who are maybe a little bit more logical in considering it you at least have to look at the possibility that the run that Georgia could go on here could be unlike anything we've ever seen before. And a lot of that would hinge on this final year of the 14 playoff before you move to the expanded playoff next year with Georgia on the heels of two straight national championships. Let your mind wander for a minute of, oh my gosh, what would the world really be like if Georgia did win three straight national championships? So from that standpoint, I kind of reconsidered that and said, hey, you know what? You know, maybe maybe the stakes are so high because of what georgia could gain by winning another national championship that that really should be the very narrow way in which success is defined for georgia this season i think that's a pretty fair argument but the same thing is sort of true and the reason why i say that to kind of recap what was yesterday on yesterday's show the reason why i say that is because if that's true in the way in which i just described it there is also an element of that that's also true for some of the games that georgia plays this season here too and we're going to get more in a moment uh in a few minutes here about what's still being said about the georgia schedule and the criticism that exists of that and to me that's one of those things to use an overused phrase that just sort of is what it is on paper this is not a very impressive schedule for georgia this year some of the games that people are hopeful to be interesting the chances are based on the way the teams that georgia's playing in those games are going to play out they actually may not even be as interesting as some people think they might be by the time those games are played there's at least a possibility that's true but once again when it comes from the standpoint of defending the edge that you have protecting the turf that you've conquered when it comes to that stand from from, from that vantage point in that standpoint actually there are a few games for georgia this year that may actually be even more important than you realize and one in particular that i want to focus on right now and if you know anything about me and you know anything about the typical content on this show you may not be surprised to find out which game i'm going to talk about it's the game that georgia is going to play against florida after all for a good number of years here and we're very thankful to have so many of you who've been with us for so long and new listeners kind of you know viewers kind of jumping in on the uh, theme here and being a part of it with us eddie the official mascot of dog nation daily be the first one to tell you if he could talk he'd be the first one to tell you that a good georgia fan is a gator hater first and foremost we've always believed that's the rivalry for georgia that's supposed to matter more than any other and in some years that's a really easy sell when florida's a top 10 team there's some extra juice in the cocktail party for a game like that and in some of the years in which the gators aren't very good well it just sort of seems like that if you weren't careful that could feel like just another game in fact this is one of those years where you know florida if you listen to a lot of the experts if you kind of pay attention to some of the more i guess reasonable chatter that that's out there right now 
you know, Florida, by appearances, may be one of those teams that's fighting to even have a winning record here this year. They did not have a very successful season in Billy Napier's first year last season. They went to the Las Vegas Bowl, one of the lower tier bowls, got embarrassed by Oregon State there in that game. And there's at least, you know, some thought out there that there's not a, a huge outlook for it to be all that much better for Florida here this season. And so, therefore, some people sort of think that the cocktail party might suffer because of that, that you need two teams to make a rivalry. Right now, Georgia's on top of the college football world. Florida is somewhere, you know, I don't want to say at the very bottom, but they're trending towards the bottom, you know, kind of from you know where they have been. And so, therefore, the Georgia-Florida game is one of those games that just becomes another game on the Georgia schedule where there's not that much at stake. But let me kind of try to raise the stakes for that Georgia-Florida game here just for a moment. Because as I've said before, this is, this is ground we've covered in the past, but it's worth repeating here right now. That there is something to be said for when your rival is down. Right now, Florida has been. When your rival is down, there is something to be said for doing what you need to do to keep them there. What's the old phrase you used to hear about the SEC? Then around the SEC, nobody cares about your team's problems because half the teams uh, have the same problems and the other half are glad that you've got them. And that's kind of the situation that exists with Georgia here right now. Florida's got some problems and Georgia is glad that Florida has those problems. And if you're Georgia, when you look ahead of the cocktail party coming up 100 something days from right now, we'll do our Gator Hater countdown later on the show. When you think about all of that, Georgia's job here this year stakes of that cocktail party uh, rivalry higher than you imagine because Georgia wants to make sure that Florida ends 2023 just as problematic as it appears to be to start this season and and one of the things that kind of got me thinking about this there was an interesting article at cbssports.com a guy named chip patterson wrote it looking at the second year coaches who are going to be kind of in a spotlight here this season they're kind of a couple of different categories here there's some guys like brian kelly moving into his second year at lsu who is trying to build on success that he had a year ago there you know that's sort of a category that exists of guys got hired last season for their first year they did really well and now they want to see in year two if they're able to build on that but there's another category of guys that got hired and the fans are sort of twiddling their thumbs and wondering wait did we make the right decision is this the guy to lead us out of the doldrums that we were in that caused us to need to hire a new coach in the first place and at florida billy napier is definitely one of those guys that billy napier despite the fact they've had some recruiting success here over the course of the last few weeks there is still an appetite for florida fans to win some games on the field to be better on the field and kind of just change the narrative around florida that's been pretty negative for quite some time and if you're a georgia fan you want to make sure that doesn't happen. In fact, let, let, me, let me read a sentence here, that, uh, or a sentence or two, that Chip Patterson wrote at CBSSports.com about Billy Napier and kind of what he needs to do at Florida this season. Uh, Chip saying about Florida and Billy Napier in particular, no one is asking Florida to contend for the playoff, especially with one of the country's toughest schedules. It's Utah on the road, plus the rest of the SEC. But staying competitive, and also Florida State too, I guess I should say, but staying competitive against the good teams and avoiding bad losses are necessary to quiet early tenure frustrations. That's Chip Patterson, CBSSports.com, basically saying if Florida goes out, even if they, you know, don't have a very impressive record, even if they're not an SEC contender, a playoff contender, you better hope you don't get blown out. You better hope you don't get embarrassed because if you do, a lot of Florida fans are going to look at you through two years and say, okay, well, I'm, I guess he got a few recruits. We had early playing time to sell. Maybe that's not such a hard thing to do. Yeah. How come we're not competitive against the teams we want to be competitive with? And so therefore, you're going to turn that coin around to the other side and say, Georgia, there may be nothing better you could do this season during the regular season anyway, before the real games start to matter. There may be nothing you could do in the regular season that would benefit you more than going to Jacksonville and embarrassing Florida. Now, that's kind of red meat for our audience and certainly red meat for me. But in this sort of tangible situation, uh, there may be a real positive and, 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 and as I said before, a kind of tangible gain to all of this is that you could up in Billy Napier before his career even gets started there. And the idea that Florida fans have some frustrations, you could increase those frustrations by going out and hanging a big number on Florida and blowing that team out again. Now, maybe you believe me, maybe you don't. So let me see if I can kind of, uh, I guess, bolster my point a little bit more. Let's think back to Dan Mullen for a moment. Now, I realize even going back to reconsider Dan Mullen, not always the most enjoyable thing, even though Georgia fans ultimately got the last laugh against Dan. The truth is when he was the Florida coach, did a lot of things that kind of irked UGA fans. It was just sort of annoying, right? He wasn't a huge threat necessarily, just sort of annoying, irritating, aggravating. 
And I think one of the most irritating and aggravating things that Dan Mullen ever did in the direction of Georgia while he was the Florida coach, do you remember the 2019 game for Georgia against Florida? Georgia won the game, but Florida had kept it closer that season than it had been the year before. In 2018, we'll have Jake from the show later on today, Jake had one of his best games ever at Georgia, totally dominated Florida. The gap between Georgia and Florida was obviously very large. The next year, Georgia still won the game, but it was a little bit closer. And Dan Mullen was like going around bragging about how close he kept came, <laughs> he kept against Georgia. He was sort of like the early version of Ryan Day. You're like, hey, look how close we came against Georgia. And I can promise you, you don't want Billy Napier doing that same stuff if somehow the Georgia-Florida game ends up being a little closer than it's supposed to be this year. And if you don't believe me, let's go back and hear Dan Mullen from 2019. Dan, uh, Georgia's kind of been the standard in the SEC last couple of years mm-hmm. two cracks at them now overall you've done great against rivals but this one's eluded to you so far mm-hmm. how close do you feel florida is to reaching their level as a program seven points do you use this game as a measuring stick for where you guys are at overall no i'm we're seven points behind georgia i know that i mean that's like nails on a chalkboard y'all florida's about to spend 400 million dollars to improve the swamp I have no idea if they plan on hanging a banner that says came within seven points of Georgia way back in 2019. I have no idea if they have plans on hanging a banner, but to hear Dan Mullen talking back then, it sort of sounds like that's what he wanted to do. Hey, look how close we came to beating Georgia. We only lost by seven points. Like that's loser talk, of course, but you don't want Billy Napier to have the same opportunity to say, to sell the same thing to his fans here this year. Uh, it, it'd take an unforeseeable set of circumstances for florida to actually win the game but if florida keeps it close was the phrase that uh chip patterson used earlier if they can make it not look like a bad loss they can lose just don't make it look like a bad loss if that's what the situation is then someone like billy napier had the chance to say a little bit like dan mullen we kept it close against georgia and if you'll come to our school or if you'll give a little bit more money or whatever pitch he wants to make we can close that gap fully and finally you don't want to give him a chance to do that so it's a season in which the regular season doesn't appear all that interesting for the dogs. That's admittedly true. We'll talk more about that in a moment. But that also doesn't mean there aren't some games that are maybe a little bit more interesting and maybe have slightly higher stakes than they might initially appear. I believe Georgia-Florida is one of those games. Florida wants to close the gap. Florida sees a chasm of difference between itself and Georgia. And Georgia's job here this season is to make sure the season ends with that being just as true as it was when things kicked off. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans presented today by Kroger. We're glad to have you with us no matter how you get to us today. Live on video, we start 945, first and 15, dognation.com, dognation app. By the way, speaking of that, how great does that brand new dognation.com website look? I joked about this on Twitter yesterday. I don't know the first thing about web design. I barely know how to even post to our website. I, I, What I know about dognation.com could fit in the palm of my hand, truly. And yet I'm glad other people know so much because they have created a great product for us. And I think dog fans are going to enjoy using that. Really, really exciting about the rollout, excited about the rollout there and happy to be speaking to you as always. It looks a little bit different, uh, shows in a slightly different place. If you want to comment live which we hope you do you click that button before that you know below that and it kind of takes you where you need to go so we're getting used to some slightly different stuff but it's all for a great cause because the brand new dognation.com website is truly truly amazing and of course the ability to do all kinds of stuff like this comes from our friends at kroger who make today's show possible there as well and i want to make sure you know about them including by the way making it possible for us to be on all the other video platforms and the radio 960 the rav podcast you've heard me say that a million times now so just sincere thanks to kroger for making all of that something that we're able to do on a day like this and by the way uh make sure you know this too kroger chef jr is on its way back right now you've heard me talk about this before if your kid's an aspiring chef kroger chef jr is the kind of thing they want to be a part of because kroger chef jr is a guided kid's cooking experience and this month the uh the uh uh the item being made are churro tacos how good does that sound by the way churro tacos being made a couple of times we need to take advantage of that you've got uh july 15th and july 22nd at select kroger locations so uh if the J- J- july the 15th july 22nd uh uh select kroger location you get a chance to be a part of that it's a guided kids cooking experience it's 30 minutes and you're gonna for, you know for doing so you get an apron and a patch 
a chef's hat, a recipe card uh, and holder, and also a taco holder there as well. And it's just $7 per child. It's one of those really cool things. I know a lot of the folks here around Dog Nation have taken their kids this before, and I've always heard rave reviews about how much fun all of this is. So go to KrogerChefJr.com to find out more about that. And as I always tell you, the word junior spelled out, J-U-N-I-O-R, KrogerChefJr.com. And you can find out more about that on the 15th, the 22nd, select Kroger locations, making churro tacos, uh, participate in the uh, cooking on that, get some really cool add-on gifts for that there as well. It's just $7 per child, KrogerChefJr.com for more on that. All right, busy show for us today. Before we're done, speaking of Kroger, we'll do a Kroger fresh take with former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm. There is something specific I want to get into with Jake as it relates to the guy for now we're presuming to be the Georgia starting quarterback, Carson Beck. We'll do that here coming up in a little bit before we're done. Going to be a very good conversation with Jake Fromm. We'll also have the latest UGA recruiting news uh, with Jeff Sintel there as well. That comes up in just a few minutes. Prior to that, let me go around the doghouse here today, uh, poured by our friends at the Finish Long Drink. Uh, and I want to kind of uh, look for a moment. I talked about the Georgia schedule a, a moment ago and kind of what's being said about the Georgia schedule. And to me, I think there's a right way to talk about this and a wrong way to talk about this. With all due respect, I want to point out for a minute what I believe is kind of a wrong way to talk about the Georgia schedule, even if it's just in good fun. Uh, Aaron Murray, the former Georgia quarterback, shared this video on social media. I guess he does a podcast of sorts with T-Bob Bear, the former LSU player. They were kind of going back and forth with the Georgia schedule. I think this is not meant to be all that serious necessarily. In fact, there's some music underneath here that would sort of suggest it's kind of all you know just in fun. But Murray, in the clip that he shared, was trying to make the case, well, actually, the Georgia schedule is tougher than you realize that it is. And I want to play this for you because I think it kind of gives us an opportunity to talk about exactly how we should discuss the Georgia schedule here for this upcoming season. Take a listen. This is Aaron Murray going back and forth with a former LSU player named T-Bob Bear. Here's Murray. I firmly believe if you give this schedule to 95% of the country, it's not like they're just going to run through it and it's going to be an undefeated season. Like There's tough games there. South Carolina, a quality opponent. Kentucky this year, I think it's going to be a quality opponent, especially with Devin Leary at quarterback. I think Missouri is going to be a good team. Ole Miss is a difficult game. Uh, I think actually a very good game Ole Miss is. And then at the difficult game. It's not an easy I, schedule, T-Bot. It's not that easy. You just tried to claim the, the Georgia Bulldog team who is fighting for national championships, just tried to claim South Carolina, Kentucky, and Missouri as hard games. Tennessee is all I will grant you. So that's Aaron Murray there. And obviously, dog fans like Murray. He was a great quarterback here at the program, but I don't like his argument there. To me, he sounds a little too much like some of the stuff that Dabo Swinney might would have said back when Clemson was a perennial playoff team while also beating up on the ACC to get there. Now, I believe the Georgia schedule this season is tougher than the typical ACC schedule, but compared to Georgia, Georgia doesn't play any team here in the regular season on the same level that it is. And I think what's important for Georgia fans to keep in mind, I mentioned this in the show a couple of weeks ago, if you're a UGA fan, because let's face it, some of what we do, and I've said this before, some of what we do is just sort of arguing in fun. We're passing the time. We're getting ready for the start of the season. And so there's these arguments we have back and forth. And I think if you kind of participate in that kind of stuff for fun on social media or with your friends, wherever you might be, you know, I think it's important to try to construct the most effective argument possible and all due respect Aaron Murray that is not the most effective argument possible even if some of what Murray said is potentially true that's still not the most effective argument possible because ultimately if you're Georgia I think the right way to go about this is to make no apologies whatsoever for the schedule and it's not because well Georgia was supposed to play Oklahoma or blah 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 or blah 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 um Ultimately, it doesn't matter. Whatever the reasons are, whatever the, the the backstory to all this is, whatever the whatever the whatever, it doesn't matter. Georgia should offer zero apologies for the regular season schedule that's going to play in 2023. Because ultimately, whether Georgia plays the toughest regular season schedule in the country or the easiest regular season schedule in the country, when it's all said and done, it's going to come down to can someone beat Georgia? That's what it's going to come down to. Because let's face it, last year, given the gap that existed between George and everybody else in college football, there weren't very many tough games a year ago either. The only two games for the entirety of the 15-game slate that were uh, in any way close at all on the road at Missouri, uh, you know, Peach Bowl game against Ohio State. 
And guess what? That template is actually not all that different than what this year probably should be either because if you go 12 and 0 you're still playing somebody in the sec championship that's going to probably be a pretty good team and then the college football playoff you're going to probably play a pretty good team in that spot there too so ultimately what georgia does in the regular season should be offered no apologies for whatsoever because georgia's status as a go for three and 23 attempt at another national championship comes down to don't worry about who we beat in the regular season can you beat us when it matters most last year nobody could in the national championship game tcu lost 65 to 7 i've said before that part of the reason it seems like georgia plays so many easy games when you win the national championship in such you know destructive fashion they're all easy games and that's kind of the uh, situation that, that Georgia sort of finds itself in. So as you kind of do more of this kind of stuff as we head through the summer, as talking season really sort of takes shape, uh, season right there around the corner, to me the most effective argument is, yeah, maybe it's, an, maybe it's an easy regular season. Now, as I said before, some of those games may actually have more importance than they may be uh, currently being given credit for. But in terms of the degree of difficulty, I believe the degree of difficulty that's been described is pretty accurate. Georgia's going to be a gigantic favorite in almost every game that it plays. T. Bob Bear says, well, the Tennessee game I might give you, you know, that's one that might, that, that might be tough. I got news for you. By the time that Georgia plays Tennessee, I'm not quite so sure Tennessee's going to be viewed the same way then as it is now. Let's see what happens after they go on the road to Tennessee. I should say at, to Alabama, go on the road to Alabama. Let's see what happens after they play Texas A&M, which I believe is a tougher game that's being given credit for. Vols could have a couple of losses by the time they get a chance to host Georgia. So the one game everybody kind of has circled for Georgia – I got news for you. There is a very reasonable conclusion to draw. That game doesn't even seem as big when it's played as it does now. Same thing for Ole Miss, slightly lesser, uh, you know, game by comparison than Tennessee. Maybe Georgia's biggest home game, uh, but I expect Ole Miss to have a handful of losses by the time it comes to Athens. That game may not seem very big either. So even the couple of games that could potentially be big may actually be even smaller by the time they're played than they are right now. And once again, if you're Georgia, you don't apologize for that at all because Georgia's chances of winning the national championship don't hinge on who it plays in the regular season it hinges on what happens once you get to the postseason and if no team is capable of beating george in the postseason then what georgia did in the regular season is little more than just a uh, a tune-up and a, and, a, and a sort of a precursor to the games that matter most that's what makes georgia georgia the fact that even after laying waste almost everybody that played during the regular season it turns it, it turned its performances up to another level in the postseason the highest scoring games that georgia uh, was involved the highest point totals it scored all year long last year it scored in the college football playoff that's been the proving around for georgia the last two years the same things that remain true in 2023 there as well so you can say whatever you want to with the georgia regular season schedule georgia fans i think rightly just simply don't care simply don't care because the regular season last year for georgia didn't matter at all it was a week-to-week march through whoever georgia played until the postseason and this year if that's the way that it plays out uh that's just fine because this story is going to be determined by what happens in December and then later on in January. And that is Around the Doghouse. And it's poured today by our friends at the Finish Long Drink. And you know right now what I've been telling you now for a couple of weeks that is so exciting and such a great piece of uh, news to share with you. The fact that the Finish Long Drink has debuted a brand new flavor. And this is one of those things that the feedback we're getting on this is tremendous. People love the brand new peach-flavored Finish Long Drink. They may have tried the traditional in the blue can that has the grapefruit flavor they may have tried the long drink cranberry they may try have tried all of that stuff but the peach flavor for a limited time here in the peach state is the kind of thing that just seems to have everybody talking so if you haven't tried it it's your time to do so and we've been talking about the finished long drink now for a couple of years and it's been great to see the way in which their fame has grown because you know because of this and so many of you now are so much more acquainted with this than you would be so the good news is when you go to the longring.com when you put in your zip code to find out where you can pick some up near you all of a sudden now that list of places is very very long i don't think i go to a golf course now that doesn't have the finished long drink and uh bars and uh you know beverage stores all that kind of stuff just the same way so if you'd like mixed drinks this is a ready to drink cocktail right there in the can people love it Uh, it's a big part of everything we do uh during the summer and it's going to be a big big addition to your summer as well especially the brand new peach flavored version of the finished long drink so make sure you try some today go to the longdrink.com to find out more about that all right as i told you we are going to be loaded completely before we're done on the show today it's jake Fromm coming up later on really 
really good stuff with Jake. There's a specific question about Carson Beck I want to ask Jake when he joins us. And some of this relates to the, the schedule talk we were just uh, discussing. So we'll get into that with Jake from here in just a little bit. But for now, there is also major news bubbling up on the Georgia recruiting front. There's you know, questions about what's next after a big run over the you know course of the you know, last couple of weeks. Uh, big defensive names. They seem to have commitment dates here starting to kind of bubble up here a little bit. There was an update this week on Nate Frazier, the terrific four-star running back. All of that and so much more. We're going to cover that with Jeff Sintel. I did record this yesterday, but it's like yesterday afternoon, so it's all still fresh and new. Jeff's going on vacation. So we recorded this yesterday. The rest of the show is obviously recorded live. The Jeff Sintel was recorded on Thursday. But it's really, really good stuff on everything related to Georgia uh, recruiting. Let's hear it right now as a part of Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. And here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger, great to get a chance to catch up with Jeff Sintel on UGA recruiting topics. What a show Jeff had on uh, Wednesday night as Joseph Jonah Janye joined in for Before the Hedges, and obviously Georgia fans still reacting to some of what he had to say there. And I guess, Jeff, as I bring you into our conversation here today, I think one of the things that are on, on a lot of Georgia fans' mind is, we saw George in the midst of getting the commitment from Jonah Janye also go on an incredible run of four four-star offensive linemen over the course of a nine-day span and you know how it is Jeff Georgia fans uh, get and stay greedy is Georgia now also about to go on that kind of run on the defensive side of the ball as well we are nearing decision dates it would seem for some big time targets and is that going to be I guess kind of the new focus for Georgia on the heels of so many of those big offensive line announcements uh, that were just made in the uh, last few days well Brandon I know you'll love how much what, what I'm about to say but the question in my mind is how much will you love it like I know Georgia fans get a commitment, and they're all like a starving beast in the rancor pit. You Star, Star Wars fans will appreciate that reference, but it's 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 literally like, what's next? Or okay, we got it. We got gobbled up this one. All right, what else? What else? What else? There's a stark reality, my friend, that Georgia might, with all major commitments by September. Wow. Um, and you know, I, I think most people that follow Georgia recruiting. <clears throat> maybe not even as closely as we all do here at Dog Nation, but they realize that there's a there's a likely imminent decision for two or three more big names. One of those is Justin Williams, the linebacker. That's John Ye's teammate at uh, Oak Ridge High School in Conroe, Texas. Uh, you know, the the things I keep hearing, the things I keep hearing is it could be by the end of this month, um, definitely probably before his senior season starts. Everybody knows about K.J. Bolden on August the 5th. There's also Demarcus Riddick on July 26th, and some people are kind of looking for some golfers' etiquette there. Like uh, Demarcus Riddick has been committed to Georgia since last November, but yet Auburn and Alabama are coming in strong, coming in hard. Uh, he says he will have a final decision on July 26th, and that's kind of, I guess, it's a curious moment for dog fans there because that's the number three linebacker in the country, and will Georgia take two linebackers? While that, that's what I was kind of referring to about the golfer's etiquette mm-hmm. there. Like, is it is it very cordial, or is it the proper recruiting etiquette to take two two linebacker commitments in advance of your already holding one? I think that comes down to if Riddick flips out of the class, then that opens up a spot for. I think Christopher Jones has one, but mm. I think that helps the numbers a little bit for Georgia in terms of linebackers. Christopher Jones is another guy that's told me he wants to make his decision before his senior season, and I think we've covered almost all the big names. Williams, Winery, that's the biggest name. That's the number two or number player in the country, and his decision is also expected, likely expected, uh, around the 1st of August, around the 1st of next month, before the end of this month. There's a range here, and even if you want to throw in Nate Frazier, the final I guess, big name for Georgia recruiting. He wants to take his official visit to Georgia first before he makes his college decision. He just dropped the top eight, but that decision could also be done perhaps by September uh, or before October. And then, Brandon, if all those things go Georgia's way, I don't know if there will be any more commitments left in the bag for the 2024 class, and I don't know how the fan base would act going months without a commitment when they are sitting at 30 commitments by the UT Martin game. 
Yeah, so let's take some time to unpack that a little bit, and we'll try to do this in sort of somewhat rapid-fire fashion. So as you said, you know, there's been some reporting out there that williams Winery might you know, commit right at the beginning of August, but as far as an official date goes, we haven't had any of that chatter on Justin Williams yet, the, fi- the, the uh, very impressive linebacker. For now, that's just sort of speculative right now. Is that fair to say? I think there's a general idea that he wants to do it before his senior year. I think it's a big decision between Georgia and Oregon. I know John Ye has told me that he's going to be praying for Georgia, hoping that those two guys could become teammates. I think Georgia's in a, in a winnable spot there in that recruitment. So that's one of those things. It's up to Williams. It's up to his decision whether he wants to make this decision sooner rather than later. And speaking of uh, Winery, what did you make of on three, the I guess the newest player in the recruiting uh, ratings game, moving him up to the number one overall prospect in their individual ratings? He's obviously a great player, and sometimes – I uh, jokingly say there's nothing that benefits your recruiting ranking more than being uncommitted, which right now that he is. But, you know, beyond that, what did you make of them moving him up to number one? Certainly justified. I, I would imagine, Brandon, if they're they're a good business and a, the good company that I think they are, it's probably good business to take perhaps ratings, evaluations, and maybe the biggest piece missing for Dylan Riola. That's where a lot of people think is the cause and effect of Winery. I think he is a legitimate number one overall prospect. He'd be the number one overall player in a lot of years. Let's just say what happens when Riola starts out at Buford, and let's say he comes out like gangbusters throwing haymakers, and all of a sudden the missing piece in that evaluation was how good is he against the top high school competition in the country? Well, a great start against St. Francis out of Maryland where he starts putting up numbers and looking very well in the, in the Buford offense. That might be cause for a reevaluation there because I think that's the one – chink in the Riola um, evaluation resume right now is strength of competition and then also what he looks like after a great sophomore season but you know and an above average to great but not number one in the country type junior season uh, if you put some good stuff together at Buford I think that might be cause for more evaluation with Riola but the Winery gentleman man I tell you he's got a whole lot of football to his game moves the way he moves at that size the way he closes ground the way he works his hands, his pass rush, everything is there in the bag for him to be number one overall prospect. You mentioned uh, Nate Frazier a moment ago, terrific running back prospect. And I, I joked on Dog Nation Daily this week because Frazier did drop a top eight. You know, I thought we were maybe getting close to a commitment decision, an announcement by Frazier. Uh, top eight was a little less streamlined than I thought this was going to be uh, for him. But as this recruiting process kind of plays out, I do think the Georgia fans have really acquainted themselves with Frazier. This is a player that Georgia fans really want. And I think about the excitement of what a guy like this could look at an offense. It might also include a guy like Dwight Phillips. And it just seems like, uh, Jeff, that Georgia has a chance to get very athletic. Scovey White, of course, too. But – and others, I'm, you could mention other names, but getting very athletic with this 2024 class. I think Frazier's both an interesting traditional running back, a guy catching the ball out of the backfield. To me, he just seems like a really cool prospect. Yeah, I think the best way to say that succinctly is James plus skills and maybe uh, Kenny McIntosh plus skills. He's a guy that would be a three-down back and would really open up those wheel routes and be nightmares for linebackers and safeties to try and check in coverage. I mean, he's also got the breakaway speed. Uh, number one running back in the country for rivals and on three right now, their individual standalone ratings. And when you think about all the stuff George is chasing, number one DL, number one safety, number one running back, they've also, they're also already got the number one quarterback, the number one cornerback. They're chasing the number one linebacker. That's one of all these, ran that all these up, the way George is finishing its homework early in this class with, Building the building itself from the inside out. Uh, there's a story up on DogNation.com right now that looks at how Georgia and I identified the elite players, Brandon, the guys that are ranked among the nation's top 200 overall recruits. Georgia has six guys that are going to go play in the trenches in their class. Six elite top 200 recruits. Brandon, the next closest school that's building their teams that way, that's Texas A&M and Alabama. They both have three. And Bama needed one last night in the remarkably talented Casey Poe, interior offensive lineman out of Texas, to get to three. Not only does Georgia have the number one quarterback, the number one corner, all the periphery positions, but Brandon, they are centering on the trenches. Big man win this game. 
moving the man in front of you wins this game, and Georgia is checking that box as well as anybody else in the country as well. well. Let me finish with this topic here. You mentioned a moment ago the idea that Demarcus Riddick could leave Georgia's class. There's only been plenty of speculation that might happen. But that also kind of dovetails into the August 5th date when K.J. Bolden makes his announcement if he were to choose Georgia. I think there's a growing sense that could also have some reverberations from the current commitment list there as well. I guess how real do you think that is, both where things stand with uh, – uh, with Bolden here right now and the idea that other UGA commits are looking to see if Bolden uh, you know, joins this class and if he does, all of a sudden that class starts to feel a little crowded for some people. So the way I look at this, Brandon, this is going to be a different track than maybe most mainstream recruiting analysts will do. I think the name that it really, bought, that it really potentially uh, affects with George's class, I don't think it's Peyton Woodyard, I don't think it's uh, Jalen Hayward, they, those guys have been embracing and thinking about a Georgia class with K.J. Bolden for a very long time now. They've been part of the recruiting efforts for K.J. Bolden. I think I like Cam McKell that I think the dogs would love to have, but he's going to take as long as until the cows come home, basically, to make his college decision. He's talked about making it in February of 2024, even perhaps that. And then maybe he wants to see where all the great safeties land. I don't think it's going to affect a Woodyard and Hayward as much as maybe maybe a Cam McKell's spot in this class, or also maybe it's a guy like um, DeMello Jones, perhaps, one of those versatile corner types that can play in a lot of spots. I think the way this class has been constructed, Brandon, they've been telling folks, hey, there's the possibility this guy's coming. And a lot of these guys are thumbs up about it. They're approving of it because they want to play in a secondary with so many elite talents. So I think Bolden to Georgia might not cause the immediate dominoes with, let's say, a highly rated safety like Peyton Woodyard or a highly rated safety like Jalen Hayward. I don't think the immediate decommitment thought for me, others may have a different opinion, but the immediate decommitment thought for, for me doesn't go to those two guys so much as it is maybe McKell in the class or just how solid DeMello Jones is. Because one downside of having all these guys committed and in the barn by April the by August the tenth, August the fifth, excuse me, is that gives the, the rivals a lot of time to make that point and to continue to recruit these guys to try and flip them out of a Georgia class that will certainly be stacked at that position. I guess let me just squeeze in one more thing while we have just a quick second here. You know, one of the things that seems like it's kind of gone quiet on here a little bit late is that elite wide receiver. Not to say that guys like Nikar can't be that are in this class, but at one point in time we heard a lot about Ryan Wingo. We don't hear as much about that anymore. It seems like the Jeremiah Smith thing has obviously kind of ended. He's reaffirmed his pledge to Ohio State over and over and over again. You know, I still kind of keep a candle in the window for Mike Matthews just because I think he's a very good player, no matter how faint, I guess, the possibility might be that he'd come to Georgia. Anything new on, you know, whether it is kind of, you know, rechecking in on an in-state guy like Matthews or the Wingo thing that's sort of gone quiet? Anything new on what might be out there for Georgia with still adding another receiver to this class? I don't think new is the way to look at that. I just think you got to wait for news with Heartline. Some of these, some of those recruits out there, those five-star recruits, Brandon, um, they're they're wanting. It's been tagged, it termed as more of an NIL-driven recruitment for those wide receivers. Running back is another position that's getting like that in the modern era of recruiting, where NIL are being commanded by the top prospects because maybe the, they have a shorter shelf life in terms of their carries and their career earnings and everything else like that. Um, I think you got to wait for news for Brian Hartline, whether that's a head coaching job of his own, whether that's a coordinator or a receiver job in the NFL. I think Hartline has even made the comment before that he feels like the NFL is his ultimate destination. I think that's the trigger for to wonder what's happening with Jeremiah J.J. Smith. And I think with the, the, a lot of those other, other guys that Georgia's been chasing, may, man, I'll be honest, probably the best chance for Georgia to end up with one of those gym of a – probably might be the continued rankings of Nitro Showtime Tuggle because he is now 101 overall on the hmm. composite. He keeps streaming up, and he's going to get down to the ING, Brandon, and he's going to rack it up, and he's going to roll it up. I can really see him, by the end of this class, being as highly rated as Nikar at the minimum, and that would give Georgia two top 50 overall prospects at receiver, and that would look pretty nice on anybody's recruiting class board.
Jeff, it is fun to think about. We appreciate your information on all this. Of course, I know you've um, had some great stuff at DogNation.com and a great interview with Joseph Jonah Ajanya going back to Wednesday. You've got some time off coming up. We hope you enjoy that as well. And we will look forward to talking to you sometime again very soon, right back here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. Brandon, we need to get Michael Carvel behind the glass to crack his fingers with some impressive production skills. And we're going to have to have some tumbleweed sound effects, you know, from the old West movies or whatever, where tumbleweeds are blowing through town. That's what it's going to be like come October when we're talking recruiting (laughs) about the Georgia 2024 class. Man, we might actually just say, Jeff, I've never done this before, but let's start talking about 2025s because that might be what's left on the table. Fun to think about all that, Jeff. We will look forward to talking to you soon. Take it easy, man. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Really good conversation there with uh, Jeff Sintel on UJ Recruiting. Jeff is going on vacation, so we recorded that yesterday, but it was all still really, really timely and very informative, and we appreciate that. And don't forget another big guest here coming up in a couple of minutes. We'll welcome in the former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm onto the show today, do a Kroger fresh take with him. Prior to that, that let's go cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And so many exciting things happening around Royal Caribbean. And one of the things that people are excited about the most, in fact, we had you know bookings day after day after day, people already getting lined up and ready to go on that Dog Nation cruise, April of 2024. And it's time to think about it. It's time to get excited about it, not just what the Dog Nation cruise is going to be, but really kind of a new frontier, I think, in cruising for Royal Caribbean. We've told you before that we're bigger and better than ever before on this Dog Nation cruise. And part of the reason why is because we're going to be on board for the very first time an Oasis-class ship. Right now, these are the largest category of ships at sea. We're going to be on allure of the seas for the Dog Nation cruise coming up in April of 2024. And we want you to be there for it. It's the 22nd through the 26th of April next year, leaving from Port Canaveral. That's just a short drive from where I am here in the Atlanta area, kind of just right past Orlando. You're there. Uh, going to Nassau on the Bahamas, going to Perfect Day, Coco Cay, doing all kinds of specially themed Dog Nation events and taking advantage of all the amenities and special uh, restaurants and entertainment options and everything else that comes your way when you're on an Oasis-class ship like Allure of the Seas. Jessica Slater is a great travel agent. You've heard me talk about her before, and she's got a wonderful website that she has constructed specifically to educate you about all the really cool things involving the Dog Nation crew. So go to RoyalDogs.com for more on that. That's RoyalDogs.com. Let Jessica help you get squared away and ready to go with a wonderful Royal Caribbean cruise vacation, a Dog Nation cruise vacation, the 2024 version of the Dog Nation cruise, bigger and better than it's ever been before. And I'll also give you a heads up here that our buddy John Stinchcomb getting ready to enjoy his own Royal Caribbean cruise vacation too. So it's nice to see a lot of folks enjoying that, doing some really cool things. Uh, That is a great, great uh, thing to be able to do. So we're excited about all of that. All right, before we get Jake from, let me go cruise around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean for a moment. And I want to preview day one of SEC Media Days, Monday from Nashville. We are not going this year. We've been certainly uh, plenty of years. And yet it's one of those things where our show just sort of functions better when we can't be in studio. Now, listen, if it's the national championship or the college football playoffs, something like that, you sort of have to make that be what it is. Uh, you know, you have to kind of, you know, roll with that and just sort of make the uh, most of the situation. But in a situation like this, given the choice of, because I'm not really a reporter. I don't, that's, not, that's not what I do for a living. The reporters are in there, you know, typing away on their little, you know, typewriters and keyboards. What, I guess they don't use typewriters anymore. But you, you get what I'm saying. My job is to do this show, so I need to be at the place where I can do the show the best, which for me is in studio. So next week we'll be watching SEC Media Days all together alongside as it takes place there in Nashville. Certainly we'll have a large Dog Nation presence there. Connor Riley, Mike Griffith are going to be on hand. I'm sure they'll give us important updates on the scene from anything that might go down there, but I will be in the studio. And so on Monday, what we'll be following is the day one, it's LSU and Brian Kelly, it's Missouri and Eli Drinkwitz, and it's Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M. And so let me give you a few thoughts here about what I think is going to kind of play out on Monday or where I'm interested interested to see if it does play out. In the case of Brian Kelly, if you've ever been to SEC Media Days before, it was in Atlanta last year. For a long time, it was kind of exclusively in Hoover, Alabama, a suburb of Birmingham. But there's this little bit of a vibe that exists around there because it typically takes place in a hotel. There's a hotel lobby of sorts. And it's almost like, you know, coaches kind of have that little bit of a celebrity feel to them when they walk in. And it's really interesting to kind of judge. And this is not something you can measure. It's just sort of a feeling you get. 
when different coaches walk in, they just have a different level of buzz. There's a different level of energy about them. The Alabama coach, even when it was not really a very famous Alabama coach, always kind of had a lot of juice walking into an SEC media days because in Birmingham, most of the people who congregate around that were probably Alabama fans. And so there's kind of always that. But there's also this buzz and energy that's created by the level of success that a coach has enjoyed. So if you think about Nashville next week, when Kirby Smart walks into the room, there's a lot of energy. Oh, here's Kirby. It's, it's sort of a celebrity sighting. You've maybe experienced some of that before in your own life and seen how that feels nick saban of course that's the case he's you know the greatest coach of all time and so when he walks in the room everybody notices and it's interesting how every other sec coach is just very very different how they're received and so you're always kind of wondering well who's the next coach to sort of step up and be near that same category of you know the kind of fame and buzz that exists when they walk in the room and doesn't it seem like right now the next person that could potentially step up and join that's brian kelly after all kelly has been famous for a long time he was the coach at notre dame when these lists of top coaches comes out he's almost always you know kind of uh ranked near the top he's had a very successful career now he's in the sec and we know he's in the sec for a specific reason he wants to punctuate his career with the one thing he was never going to get at a place like notre dame he wants to win a national championship well national championship coaches become famous they become famous on their way towards winning a national championship so if i was in nashville on monday that's one of the things i'd be kind of judging how much buzz does brian kelly bring with him into the room is that is there's that sort of celebrity feel to him as a coach most sec coaches frankly don't have very much of that even though they're you know pretty famous to most of us but some have more than others and it'll be interesting to see how close the kelly arrival on monday when he walks through the room for the first time how close that feels to a kirby or a nick saban that'll be interesting to see i think there are also a couple of interesting questions specifically for lsu on the field y'all know that i think they're going to be good but exactly how do they use some of their personnel for instance Jaden daniels the quarterback one of the guys going uh with lsu to nashville I think that Jaden probably should be asked directly by Garrett Nussmeyer, the quarterback who stepped in last year when when Daniels was injured and in the SEC championship played pretty well. You know, the view that Daniels has not just of his own season, but the other quarterbacks around him there at LSU, Nussmeyer included. At one point in time this offseason, Daniels said he thought that LSU had the best quarterback room in all of college football, certainly in all of the SEC talking more about that could be interesting i also think there's a little bit of chatter coming out of baton rouge about how harold perkins the great star on defense how he's going to be used for lsu this season perhaps maybe a little bit different than you initially may have thought uh i think that's kind of an x's and o's sort of nuts and bolts type of thing but how they choose to use perkins i think could be an interesting topic there at sec media days uh next week starting on monday eli drinkets will be there and for all the talk about buzz and excitement who has it Eli Drinkwitz is clearly one of those coaches that just simply does. And there's just not a lot to ask Eli Drinkwitz. Um, you know, Luther Burden did stay at Missouri. That might be the most interesting thing about the program right now. And if you are a coach that hopes to have a long standing in the SEC, you got to have more than one interesting thing about your program. They did keep it close with the Georgia last season. I don't know if that comes up next week or not on Monday. Uh, but for now, Eli Drinkwitz is a man in search of some sort of purpose you know some sort of you know what is his reason for existence here in this league i don't think it's been discovered yet he's obviously got to find that out quickly or he'll no longer be in this league and then finally there's jimbo fisher and listen the narrative around fisher is pretty clear here this is an underachieving team he needs to change that bobby petrino the brand new offensive coordinator was seemingly hired to help correct that and the thing that we'll be all listening in very closely for when texas a&m and jimbo fisher speak on monday is the willingness that fisher has to acknowledge that petrino is going to be the guy that takes the reins offensively and if i'm an a&m fan some of y'all say that i am but if i am an a&m fan and i hear my coach next week kind of have a little stubbornness to him a little bit of hesitation uh, reticence to say yeah you know what um uh you know these guys are here this is what it's supposed to be they're going to uh you know petrino's going to run this offense if that's what i hear from from uh jimbo next week if i'm an a&m fan i'm pretty nervous about that i i, I would be because it's obvious that petrino's got a purpose here and it'll be interesting to see if um it'll be interesting to see if jimbo fisher acknowledges that when he speaks at a sec media days next week so uh that all goes down on monday that takes place then and we will uh, see how that plays out. We'll also make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of 
Royal Caribbean. All right, coming up in just a moment, we're going to catch up with Jake Fromm, the former Georgia quarterback. We'll do a Kroger fresh take with him. And I told you a moment ago, I have a specific question that I want to ask Jake here today, because if you go back to something we said a little earlier in the show, uh, we talked about the Georgia schedule and um, just kind of the overall feeling that, hey, right now the regular season for Georgia might not be all that interesting. There may not be that many big games. It may just be one of those things where you're just sort of biding your time and waiting to kind of get to what really matters most in the postseason. So if you're Georgia, you're sort of left to wonder, what you do about all of that. And one of the concerns that I have is is that one of the things that may end up happening is it's one of those things you sort of look into the future, you sort of see this. I could very easily see a little bit of an unfair narrative emerging around Carson Beck pretty quickly if we're not careful. So I said I wanted to ask Jake from that. Let's get ready to do that here right now. We'll welcome him in as a part of a Kroger Fresh Take here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger here today. Jake, of course, we always appreciate your time. We hope you're doing well. Thanks for being on the show here today. Brandon, absolutely. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me. So I was mentioning this. I, there's a question about Carson Beck I want to ask you, unless for a moment just sort of presume he is the Georgia starting quarterback. I could see it getting pretty unfair around Carson pretty quickly in one respect. You may have heard this. A lot of people sort of think the Georgia schedule in 2023 looks to be pretty soft. It's especially soft to begin the season. It's the, it's the Tennessee Martin. It's the, you know, the Ball States, the UABs, teams like that. And so it seems like one of those situations where if Beck steps in as a starting quarterback, the concern that I have in terms of the narrative that might form around him is, is that he's not able to impress. He's only able to disappoint. In other words, you play against teams that other folks don't think are worthy of being on the field with Georgia. If Carson, if he is the starter, he goes out there and puts up big numbers. People totally disregard that whatsoever because they're like, well, you're only playing fill in the blank, whatever team you happen to be playing. But then on the flip side of that, if somehow he gets off a little slow start, if the the act of kind of learning how to be a starting quarterback takes a little bit more time than some people think, well, then he gets criticized for that. It seems like it's an unfair narrative, but to me, it's very easy to imagine how this could play out where Beck doesn't have the opportunity to impress because people kind of hold the schedule against him, but they are ready to jump on him at the moment anything is not quite perfect do you get the sense that i that i have here is that if you're not careful a pretty unfair narrative could kind of emerge around carson pretty quick yeah 100 percent. i mean that's a pretty uh fair angle i would say uh to take at it um you know there's a lot of times in my career where i felt like there was more pressure on me to perform and and games like you talked about you know kind of those uh kind of easy schedule games um you know kind of early in the year where hey like I, i'm Expected to go out and throw for 300 yards, three touchdowns, and complete 90% of my balls, right? So, you know, on, on a, in a sense, there's a lot of pressure around that to perform because that's what's expected of you. Um, but, man, you are a, a, a Georgia quarterback a Georgia quarterback, and a Georgia football player, so there's always high expectations, uh, especially right now where they're at in the program. So I, I think a lot of it just comes with the territory. Um, I think he'll handle it well um, as long as he uh, – has a really good camp, relies on his teammates, um, and just, just trusts himself and, and trusts the, the coaching staff of, of what they're asking him to do. So um, I, it is a fair angle that, that you talk about to say where it's kind of a lose-lose situation for him. Um, but I, I think in a sense that uh, he, he will do well um, because that's just the, the, the well-oiled machine that they have going on right now. I remember asking you a question after a game one time, and you said something that kind of stuck with me. You said, I just wanted to make sure I had fun today. This is a little bit of a personal question, so I hope you don't mind it. But yeah. is it hard to have fun when you're a quarterback in the SEC? <laughs> uh, sometimes, I mean, there, there is a lot, a lot of pressure, of course. Uh, you know what what's going on uh, around you. Uh, you know, you have coaches' lives and families and, and salaries at stake. Uh, you got programs. Um, you know, with the hopes of, of winning a national championship. Um, you got you know the fans' emotional well-being at stake. Um, and you have a lot of teammates to, you know, who you want to, um, you know, to do the best for and you care for. So, uh, I mean, there's a lot of things that go into it. Um, I mean, man, sometimes you have to be able to pull yourself out of the situation, step back, look at it all as a huge blessing uh, of what it is that we get to be athletes out here playing a, a kid's game um, and, and go out and play and, and have a little fun. And a lot of times it is tough to do, but, man, if you can and find a way to enjoy it, find joy in it, um, I think you'll end up being a lot more 
of a successful athlete and a successful person. So you're always busy working on your own game and getting ready for the upcoming season, whatever season that might have been. You may not be as aware of this as some of us are, that what we do, shows like this, fans, when they get together, we just argue about stuff. That's how we pass the time between <laughs> now and the start of the season. We just find stuff to argue about, and that makes the, the days click by, and, you, and then you get to the uh, season, and it takes place. And like one of the arguments that's ongoing for UGA fans right now is, is that some people are a little critical of the season schedule for Georgia. The fact that it doesn't kind of right now, at least by appearances, have the big marquee opponent. As I mentioned before, September looks particularly soft compared to playing in Oregon or a Clemson to begin the season as Georgia has the last couple of years. Like, what would your response be to those who say, ah, Georgia's schedule's a joke, it's an embarrassment? What would you say back to folks who may say that about Georgia and its schedule for the upcoming year? Yeah, the cliche, uh, you know, uh, phrase of, hey, I'm going to control what I can control. As a as a Georgia athlete, as a as someone affiliated with the with you know with the uh, organization, university, I, I have no control over making the schedule. I don't personally, uh, as you know, where I'm at in my uh, career, these guys who play football here have no control over the schedule. So they're just going to go out and they're going to play. They can't control any of that, um, but they can't control how they play. Um, and I, I think that's something that they're going to take to heart. It doesn't matter who's on the schedule when or where they play they're going to go out and want to play their best got one more topic i want to hit with you but let me remind folks this is our kroger fresh take with jake Fromm here today and on monday we kick off a brand new contest here around dog nation courtesy of our friends at kroger and it's going to be a great one as we look to celebrate some of the teachers in our audience outstanding teachers we're going to give you a chance to nominate them and celebrate them and someone's going to be big winner here with all of this uh the contest pr- promotion starts on monday going to roll through august 4th we're going to be giving you some uh winners each week uh, starting the week of august 7th but incredible collection of gift cards such as 50 dollars to target and home chef and bath and body works and a hundred dollar gift card to kroger all of this courtesy of our friends at kroger there as well so you could even get a chance to win something by by nominating and certainly some of the several of these teachers are going to be big winners there as well too so all of this kicks off on monday we'll tell you more specific details about that then a great new contest courtesy of our friends at kroger make sure you stay tuned on monday as we tell you how you can nominate a great teacher in your life to be celebrated as they should as the school year gets ready to get rolling again courtesy of our friends at kroger uh jake the other thing is getting ready to get rolling here is sec media days correct me if i'm wrong you did attend sec media days back in 2019 right before your last year what was yes, that sir, I did. what was that like to have I guess people like me you're sticking those microphones in your face. What's that experience like? Yeah, I mean, it is what you make it. Um, you know, you go in the mindset of, hey, man, I'm going to go in and have fun, try to represent myself well, my family well, the university well, um, and, and try to, you know, crack a few jokes and, and have a few smiles here and there. Uh, you're going to go in and enjoy it. Um, but you definitely want to go into, uh, into that prepared because there's a lot of, of questions that uh, – you know, that you may not be aware of or a lot of things that can kind of, you know, slip back door on you. Um, but, man, go in there prepared uh, and go in there with a good mindset of, uh, of enjoying it. You've always been a pretty comfortable speaker. Uh, were you nervous? Did, did you ever get nervous speaking to the media about anything, or was that something that you didn't worry about too much? No, I, I never really worry about it too much. Um, I, I think uh, I just, just really just trying to focus on, on being myself and um, letting the rest really take, take care of itself. Um, I... I uh, just always wanted to, to, to put in more work than was needed um, and make sure I was saying the right things and represent myself and my family well. Maybe the answer to this is no, but do you remember any kind of like particularly awful question that you may have gotten or anything like that? <laughs> um, I mean, I know there was a few here and there. I can't remember any off the sure. top of my head. But, uh, no, I uh, just – hey, that's just part part of it. But, um, no, I, for, the, for the most part, I always had really good uh, experiences. Uh, with immediate per se. Yeah, I guess good guys get good questions, so that would make sense. Jay, we appreciate your time here today. We hope you enjoy your weekend. We'll look forward to catching up with you again as a part of a Kroger Fresh Take here on Dog Nation Daily very soon. Yeah, awesome, Brandon. Thank you. You too. Good stuff there from Jake Fromm. Yeah, I mean, I, sometimes when I'm at SEC Media Days, an event like that, and, and that event in particular is just different than almost anything else you might do just because the sheer number of media that's there. There are typically more than a 1,000 folks who are there. You know, a lot of the folks who might be there are not necessarily folks who cover, you know, the SEC on kind of a regular basis the way that, like, say, Dog Nation might. And so, therefore, you are prone to get some weird questions. Plus, there's just this 
attempt of, I mean, to be honest with you, some of the stuff you sometimes get from some players, a little, a little dry, a little boring. So if you can find a way to shake it up, make it more interesting, people try to do that there as well. And so if you're a player, sometimes you may be playing defense against that. There's a little bit of tug of war going on between what players want to say, what the media wants them to say, and, you know, figuring out how to navigate that. That was something that Jake was always really good at. And that's one of the reasons why we enjoy having him here on this show like we do each and every week. How about some golden shoes to wrap things up here? Some pretty good ones. Phil Underwood shared this with me. Great photo of he and his wife. Elephant in the background. The backstory is Phil had reached out to us the other day while he was in South Africa, which is an amazing place to be. Like, I'm not a very seasoned world traveler. I haven't really been to a lot of places. But when you see photos like this, you realize that, you know, there are places in this world where elephants don't just live in a zoo. They just live out and just life and out in the wild that is a truly amazing thing and so great to see he and his uh, wife enjoying a wonderful time down in south africa really cool a uh, fun summer vacation to be able to take glad that phil shared that with us we'll give him a golden shoe for that we'll give an elephant the golden shoe in the background a little bit too uh kenny powder shared this i think it's really funny so some guy uh i guess is going to do a thing online where he's going to have a cryathon plan to cry for 100 straight hours <laughs> and kenny says prayers up for the ohio state fans they're still hurting hashtag go dogs uh pretty funny it seems like they've been crying for i'm not sure how many hours but every day since uh, december 31st of 2022 seems like they've been crying so kenny you're a right spot on on that we'll give you a golden shoe for that and then lee uh georgia dogs 26 sent this to me so some florida account put this out Lee said, I had a good laugh at this this morning. Hashtag Gator Hater, hashtag Go Dogs. So, and we understand hope springs eternal this time of year, but this particular Florida account took the entirety of the Florida schedule and he gave them W's in every game except for two the LSU game and the Georgia game. In that particular case, he gave them toss ups. It's a toss up, could go either way. Florida at least wins 10. And if the Georgia and LSU game go the right way, it's uh, it's an undefeated season there for the Gators. So there you go. Uh, that kind of takes the idea of Hope Springs Eternal to a higher level there at that particular time. That may also be an example of y'all see the new thing on Twitter where I guess people are getting paid for their replies. They get to their tweets. And so some people are sort of saying, hey, maybe maybe trolling is now incentivized because you get some money for it maybe that's an example of that there as well we talked some georgia florida off the top of the show there's a gators fan who thinks uh that game against georgia just a toss-up so we'll see how that takes place in fact our gatorator countdown to close things out today 106 days from right now georgia in jacksonville beating up on uh florida that's good to think about also a weekend is good to think about so y'all enjoy the next couple of days we'll see you back here monday for dog nation daily presented by kroger